0: welcome to the outcomes rocket podcast where we inspire collaborative thinking improved outcomes and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers and now your host Saul Marquez
1: outcomes rocket listeners welcome back once again to the outcomes rocket podcast where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders if you like what you hear on the show Please don't be shy. Go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. This is how we get feedback from our listeners and we truly appreciate it. We love when we hear from you all. It really makes our day and uh, and it just helps us shape the, the podcast in a way that makes it most impactful for you because that's why we do it. So without further ado, I have an outstanding guest. His name is Lee Ac. He's a public speaker and he's also Mayo Clinic Social Media Network's owner and he's is the leader in the way that they do things there helping healthcare organizations apply social media tools and he's been a a real big proponent in communications in healthcare for the past you know i would say even uh, two decades and uh, he's just done an incredible amount in this area and i thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to focus in this sector so without further ado just want to welcome you to the show lee well thanks so glad to be with you absolutely and so why did you decide to get into healthcare, Lee?
0: Well, I uh, worked in politics and government for about actually 14 years, I guess, um, at the state, uh, federal and and local level. And, you know, kind of get into the mid, while I was in my mid thirties and decided that it was time to look at what I wanted to do long term. I actually had a friend who I used to work with in state government who had come to work at Mayo Clinic in a different capacity. And she just mentioned that, hey, the communications group of for Mayo, you know, here at Mayo seems like they're having a good time, seems like a really good place to work. And so I applied, I came, I was, I was working, I was a communications director for US Congressman at that time. So I applied for a job within communications and became a member of our Media relations team here at at Mayo Clinic, uh, primarily focused on cardiology, but with a few other beats. And that was, um, you know, so it was a kind of a natural transition. I liked doing media relations, but I also had grown up 40 miles from uh, Rochester, Minnesota, so was very familiar with Mayo Clinic. And it was uh, kind of the next uh, step to take. I always had an interest in, in healthcare, I was sort of pre med. Sort of pre-med before I met before I met the now mother of my six children, and awesome. decided didn't want to go th- didn't want to go through uh, all the medical school and residency and stuff when we met in our you know first year of college. So uh, took a little different route to get to still be able to do some I think pretty important health related uh, things.
1: No, that's pretty great. And uh really appreciate you sharing that with us, Lee. Uh, congrats on the on the six kids. I think it's uh it's an accomplishment in and of itself. So congratulations to you and your wife for that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're not nine grandchildren too. So another wow. one is coming next month. So the fact that four of them are uh, are married, and you know, the th- the third one will now be having a having a child. So we'll be. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's nice to be on the other side of that. We've been empty nesters for about two weeks now after thirty one years, seven months, and nineteen days. How's so, it going so far? been great it's been really it's, it's a nice change and part of you know we got married really young and so being uh, through that part now and getting to enjoy the, the grandparents uh, side of it has been pretty
1: no that's really great Lee. and and hey you know there you go you know the entire family's kind of going through the wonderful healthcare system there you know our families you know we we oftentimes don't take the time to be grateful for the things that go well as well you know and and mm-hmm. your family's a testament to that so Lee, let's jump into it. What do you think a hot topic that should be on every medical leader's agenda today and uh, how should they be approaching it? How is Mayo Clinic approaching it?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think what our team has been really organized around is the fact that communicating in social media is, a, is just becoming a basic expectation. Um, I mean, it certainly wasn't when I started at Mayo Clinic, but just the way things have evolved, uh, the way technology has made everybody a potential broadcaster, has really, and has created this expectation that people do ratings and reviews, and they leave online comments, and you know, they do that in all other industries, and it's something that's uh, increasingly becoming an expectation in healthcare, and but also, frankly, that's something that we need to embrace, that this is something that consumes a lot of our lives, I mean, for those of us Work in healthcare—it's like a whole lot of our lives. But for, but even for everybody, for all citizens, it's something that they're that's important to them. And so, and the patients have already been going online to commiserate, and I mean that in the best sense of the word—to to find support to. For as they're dealing with health challenges, and so that's really important for healthcare organizations healthcare professionals to be where the people are because this is where they are discussing issues they're getting information, and if the healthcare professionals aren't contributing good information to the mix, then people who don't necessarily have the patient's best interests at heart or or just uh, on the in the you know, anti-scientific wing of uh, the world are going to be what shows up in, in search results. And people will be uh, led astray by that if the if the responsible professionals aren't involved.
1: No, that's a really great point that you made there, Lee. And, it, you know, whenever I go on and as a consumer of healthcare, and even as a leader of healthcare, when I go on and I search things, I've got to say, you know, in the mix I typically get the Web MDs, I get Wikipedia obviously comes up, but I also very often see Mayo at the top of the search results. So you guys are definitely being intentional about what you put out there as far as education, but also in the media, being able to be proactive in your approaches, to reach out to all of the consumers and all of the payers that are being really doing business with you. And anybody could become a broadcaster, Outcomes Rocket Listeners, you know, at this point. One person that gets something out there via Twitter all of a sudden becomes a story. And so Lee's words of wisdom here are, hey, you gotta embrace social media and you gotta make sure you do it in a methodical way. Lee, what types of tips would you give to providers that are maybe a little gun-shy about getting onto social media?
0: I'd say the first thing is that being involved in social media is probably the best thing that they can do the best proactive strategy that they can have for their online reputation management. So when someone searches for Saul Marquez or Lee AC or, or doctor, whoever on Google or any other search engine, they get some results. And typically those results will, if you're a physician or the provider, there might be health grades rate, my doc other, you know, review sites. And there are literally dozens of these. Okay. And so those might not necessarily be the reviews that might be up there you know you never know whether those are actually your patients uh, you never know whether and certainly're not representative I mean it'll be typically the uh, a rate my doctor or uh, health grades is going to have two or three or four people who've taken time to leave a review and they may not have they, they may not be representative of you, of your overall practice and yet if those are showing, Going up second, third, fourth in search results, that's going to reflect, you know, that could reflect, it will reflect one way or another. This is where we really encourage our colleagues who are physicians or other providers to, by getting involved in social media, by creating a LinkedIn profile. If you're a physician, by claiming your profile on Doximity and and completing it, every physician has a Doximity profile, but if you claim it, you complete it. That's what powers the U.S. News and World Report Find a Doctor search engine. It's also the publicly ver- facing version of that is going to be typically showing up high in search results. But getting on LinkedIn, getting on Twitter, having good profiles there, those will tend to. Google is wanting to be relevant to its, uh, for its uh, searchers. Those are going to tend to show up higher in the search rankings, which will push those reviews a little bit further down the page. So in essence, it's taking control. It's saying, you know, you can't play whack-a-mole with all the, the different reviews and you know, challenging the different review sites. But by the line that uh, came from Andy Cernovitz uh, reminded me of what my high school chemistry teacher always used to say, that the solution to pollution is dilution. That by putting <laughs> up good content by, that you control, whether it's uh, shooting a YouTube video that you know has your name in it and it's tagged appropriately or these other some of these other platforms we talked about they will tend to rise in the search rankings and help you you know maintain that representation of yourself online that you would uh, hope that you know, prospective patients
1: will see. No, uh, some great advice, Lee, and and you know, listeners. Obviously, those of you that are are you know entrepreneurs and, and industry side, this tends to be something that's a little bit more. You know, hey, we know we got to do it. But if you're on the provider side, it, it becomes something that you're like, well, maybe not something that I want to dabble in. But as Lee mentioned, you really have to take control of this because if you don't manage it, it basically takes over for itself. And you got to participate in the ways that Lee mentioned just to get started, because it could definitely be something that ultimately can help or harm the way that you do business. And so can you give an example, Lee, of what you guys have done over there at the Mayo Clinic and social media that has created results and improved outcomes?
0: Well, sure. So a little bit related to what we were just talking about, we developed some online training for our physicians, but we also make it available to others through our Amplink social media network. We worked with Hootsuite to do that, to provide some basic training in how to set up your Twitter profile, how to participate effectively in LinkedIn as a healthcare professional. And that was the basic idea of that is that physicians are smart. They can figure out how to do this, but a lot of they don't necessarily have a lot of time for trial and error and they don't they also want to look smart in public they don't want to be making mistakes that are because they just don't understand the lingo you know they understand what a hashtag is or they're yeah no that's a really great point so giving them a chance to learn that in a safe place in a self-based you know instructional environment is part of what we've done at, at Mayo Clinic we're working to part of what we our leaders saw I guess it was seven, eight years ago now that there was an important role that Mayo Clinic could play in helping our colleagues first at Mayo Clinic, but then also, you know, around the world that this social needed to be embraced and that there was that it was important, but that if everybody's kind of wringing their hands and trying to figure out, is it really okay? And what about HIPAA? Or, you know, what about privacy? What do I do about this? Well, the fact that we've kind of worked through it and... That there are good answers to all those questions has really enabled us to uh, serve as a catalyst so that people can come into it knowing, okay, if this was really that crazy to be doing, Mayo Clinic wouldn't be doing it. And so they've figured out what are the ways that these uh, platforms can and should be used and what are the guidelines that you need to be concerned about. And that just enables people, uh, the the metaphor I use is we're a catalyst. You know, we are making it easier so that people don't have to reinvent and rediscover those those answers and then they can build upon what we've done to be able to apply. So getting back to your question, we definitely had opportunities to apply these tools within the clinical practice for education to help our patients be able to get good education information that will facilitate better discussions in the office if you don't have to go over the same thing that you do a dozen times a day, if you can put that as a, as a YouTube video, for instance, make that part of the rooming process for a patient that hit the play button, or else they've perhaps uh, seen the video before they come in. Um, if you're having the same discussion a dozen times a day about vaccine hesitancy, well, maybe you can have the patient watch the video where the provider is talking about why it's important to get vaccinated. And then when you come in, Do you have any questions about that? How can I explain to you? And that way it's not just sort of the rote one off through things. Yeah. You know, time after time after time. And so it's, it's about efficiency in the practice as well as better results.
1: I love it. Yeah. And having the system or process that actually goes from social media material to the patient. And then when you walk into your doctor's office, just the doctor asks you, hey, any questions on, um, you know, whatever we sent out to you?
0: Yeah. So we've had several examples like that where it's it's about making the face-to-face time more valuable. And if the conversation can be deeper and more relevant and targeted directly to that patient's concerns instead of the general educational uh, material, then, you know, it's a richer experience for everybody.
1: Ah, oh, that's great, Lee. How about the other side of this, right? We talked about the good things. How about some of the things that should be avoided, social media things that should be avoided?
0: Well, I mean, we published our guidelines for professional use of social media for Mayo Clinic employees using social media in 2009.
1: Is that available to the public? It is, yeah. So if you oh, go cool. to
0: socialmedia.mayoclinic.org, under the resources tab... That we've got our Mayo Clinic resources, and among those things are our guidelines for Mayo Clinic employee use of social media. So
1: awesome! I didn't so, even yeah. know about that. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah,
0: and that's that's part of what we've tried to do through this uh, Mayo Clinic social media network is say, you know, at that time when we developed our guidelines, this was in 2009. We used IBM and Sun Microsystems and some others in the tech industry as sort of our starting point. But then we said, okay, we need to make this contextualize for the healthcare space.
1: Lee, this Uh, is super cool. I just went on there, right? Socialmedia.mayoclinic.org. This is awesome.
0: Yeah, thanks. And as we saw about that, I mean, that's what I talked about being a catalyst is that we want to be that resource so that people don't have to go through and say, so what should we say about this? Well, here they are. Here are our guidelines. And if you'd like to credit us, great. But otherwise, If you use these as resources to develop your own, it's important that you have a policy or guidelines. In our case, we decided that a separate policy for social media wasn't necessary, but what we did need was, first of all, guidelines, and then secondly, education. So the guidelines are just interpretations of our existing policies. If you look at our first guideline, it is, remember that all policies apply in social too. So it's just a reminder that things like, you know, reasonable use of the computer, during work hours, the mutual respect as well as patient privacy and, and all these others apply here as well. And then the rest of the guidelines are sort of helping to interpret what that means in terms of professionalism and you know transparency and just what are those expectations. So the the guidelines are helpful, but then beyond that we want to have the education too because Guidelines without education protect the organization, but don't protect the employee. And we want to help both. We want to aim for safe and effective use of these tools, because these tools are making a huge difference in society. Absolutely. And we need to capture that potential in healthcare too. And so if people are fearful and not knowing how they could do this safely, then they're not going to engage as they should. So by giving both the the guidelines and the training, the education, it helps us. We're excited about what that means in terms of being able to harness the, the power of that 64,000 employee base.
1: This is super interesting. And to the listeners, if you're a provider or if you're a large health system executive trying to leverage social media and you really don't know where to start, you got to visit socialmedia.mayoclinic.org. I'm just looking through this It's super useful. And Lee, it also looks like you guys have a, a Mayo Clinic social media network.
0: We do. Yeah. So the, what's that the all May- about? Yeah, the Mayo Clinic Social Media Network is made up of organizations and individuals who are mm-hmm. like us, who are interested in that same sort of situation. So first of all, anybody who's an employee at Mayo Clinic gets a free premium membership in this network, I mean, just by the email domain. But we have various other organizations from Indiana University of Health to Vanderbilt to NYU Langone Medical Center to small community hospitals that also have joined. And it's sort of uh, co belligerence in the social media battle where we want to say, hey, we think this is important and we want to provide, we want to get together and develop best practices and share those. So we have members from Australia, New Zealand to Europe to, uh, as well wow. as you know, throughout the United States. And again, it's part of it's really actually it's part of Mayo Clinic's, you know, DNA in that our founders, Dr. Will and Doctor Charlie Mayo, who were surgeons recognized back in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties, early turn of the century, turn of that century, to provide the best care, they needed to go out and See what others were doing and bring back those lessons to apply in our practice here in Rochester, Minnesota. They traveled to, Dr. Wilmail, the older brother, traveled to 25 countries during his lifetime, including Australia and New Zealand and Russia and England, you know, all over the place, to bring back those lessons and then also invited physicians from other, from, we had 3,400 physicians come. I trained to Rochester, Minnesota between 1908 and 1918 to learn from the Mayo brothers too. So this is really just the 21st century version of that in the social media application where we're saying, first of all, we want to provide the training to our employees and our physicians, but at the same time, if we can make those same resources available to our colleagues so that they can with confidence engage in this as well, that it's better for everybody. So it's really part of our history.
1: That's so cool. And I had no idea that you guys had this option. And again, just talk about taking the baton from the Mayo brothers and continuing forward with the mission. Big kudos to you and your team for what you're doing here. Annual conference in December. And then also, just uh, looks like webinars on a monthly or quarterly basis to so the listeners that want to get themselves a dose of of how to interact on in social media. Definitely check this out.
0: Yeah, we'd really welcome that. We appreciate that. I mean, the conference we have coming up in it's December 11th and 12th in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is not a bad place and time to be
1: in Scottsdale Arizona. <laughs> in the winter, uh, especially the winter. Minnesota winters, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we also have a course. Uh, we have a one day crash course that we call uh, Social Media Res. Residency, so it's just like medical residency, only three years shorter, and you don't stay up overnight and have people yell at you. But other than that, it's exactly the same. But that's awesome. I mean, the basic idea is it's an in-person, hands-on, strategic planning kind of course. That's actually it's really timely too, because as people are doing their 2018 planning this is going to be in just a couple of weeks before that that it's a chance to say okay how do we incorporate social because social isn't by itself you know the silver bullet the magic wand or whatever metaphor you want to use but it is definitely an ingredient and it's an expectation as we talked about earlier that well we have an expectation at Mayo Clinic that any kind of communications initiative we have needs to have a social media component. That's a question we're asking every time. So what's the social strategy here? And it's super unusual that we would have a communications initiative or a marketing initiative that didn't have a social strategy. So that's part of what we're trying to encourage with our, our colleagues is to think in that way and then also to provide some, some resources, some materials that, and planning documents, to help them incorporate these tools within their strategies.
1: I think this is wonderful, Lee, and and so appreciate you sharing these things. This is the part of the show where where we do kind of a a lightning round. So I'm gonna ask you four questions. What it is to improve outcomes, but we're gonna make this a social media focus, all right? And so, yeah, yeah, it's gonna, it's a little different, but you're flexible. I like how you roll, and I think we'll be able to come up with something good. And then, at the end of this short syllabus that we're putting together, I'd ask for you to share your favorite book to the listeners. You ready? Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. So what is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes?
0: Well, they always talk about how communication is the key to life, <laughs> you know, communication everything. So I would say that by being able to communicate more effectively whether it's you know what we used to call compliance and now we call there's a new better word for that but it, it yep. isn't about just getting the the patients but it's shared decision making it's about enabling people to be able to make informed decisions about what course of treatment they want to have and then and then stick to it you know then be able to implement it and so being able to take advantage of all the communication tools that are available to, to strengthen that understanding and commitment, I think, is, is the most important thing we can do for people like me who don't have a specialized medical knowledge, but do have business and communication expertise to offer.
1: Love it. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid with social media?
0: I mean, obviously, you can make a really bad screw up in social media by publishing something that's protected health information that is illegal and shouldn't be out there. So assuming you're going to not do the really stupid thing (laughs) in that way, I mean, I'd say the biggest risk is not getting in, not being engaged, not being out there because otherwise people are talking about you. And if you're not participating. If you're not aware of it, if you're oblivious to it, you are not able to manage what that discussion is. You're not able to learn from it. So I'd say the it's kind of like in, it's the opposite of the Matthew Broderick movie, War Games, where, you know, at the end of the, this is like a 1984 movie, very strange game. The only way to win is not to play. In this case, it's sort of the opposite. The only way to really lose is not to play. There you go. Uh, if you're not in listening and engaging you're missing out on significant
1: opportunities play the game listeners play the mm-hmm. game and how do you stay relevant with all the noise in social media
0: yeah well I think that's really a great question because it's important to be relevant to the right people for the right reason you could try to jump in and hijack conversations about unrelated topics and put hashtag Britney Spears in every one of your posts or whatever, or, or <laughs> whoever else is famous out there and try to jump into those conversations. So that would be sort of false relevance. The main thing is to be authentic and be helpful in social and be providing information that is relevant to some audience that you care about. We do a lot. We probably have 7,500 videos on our MailClick YouTube channel. A lot of them are, you know, three, four, five seven, eight minutes long, some 10 minutes long. And they're not the funny cat videos that are going to go viral on the internet, yeah. but they're deeply relevant to very targeted audiences. Like we have one video that's on myelofibrosis, which is a kind of blood cancer. It had, the last I checked it, had something like 15,000 views. Well, it's 10 and a half minutes long and nobody's watching that for fun. You know, right. they're only watching it because it's providing the in-depth information, a Mayo Clinic subject expert talking about something that's relevant to them. And so you don't have to worry about holding an audience. That's what's great about the you know, compared to the mass media where you have to boil everything down into sound bites. People talk about videos need to be short and generally the more general purpose they are, that's true, uh, make them interesting in that way, but that's where in, in health we have an opportunity to go into way more depth and be really much more helpful to smaller audiences, but very targeted audiences.
1: Ah, oh, that's a great great advice, Lee. And finally, what's one area of focus that should drive all social media strategy?
0: I think the biggest thing is to be thinking of the audience, you know, to really envision that audience because that's going to guide your selection of tools and platforms. You look at the demographics of who actually uses the platform. If you're thinking Snapchat is your thing for reaching in you know, the Medicare population, not going to happen, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, um, at all. you know, and right. And likewise, if you're trying to reach the younger audience, probably it's funny when people say, you know, Facebook isn't really relevant for kids. That's just really not true. I mean, certainly a lot of younger people are spending more time on some other platforms, but you know, the fact that Facebook has 2 billion users, uh, monthly active users, Means it really, and it's definitely the the platform, the social platform that we see that we're able to directly measure the most you know, appointment referrals from. But anyway, think of the audience, think of where they're uh, gathering and actually think of them as you're creating the content so that you're being relevant to them in the tone of voice that you're using, but also the the level at which you're you're setting the communication. Start with the audience.
1: Now, very insightful, Lee. And finally, what book would you recommend to the listeners?
0: I will pick one, but I'll just say I would highly recommend getting Audible. So audible.com, which is owned by Amazon, but they've got their book their monthly credits plan where you can get a, a new book. you can get one or two or three, I think a month uh, on your plan. And I just love to listen to those while I'm working out or golfing or whatever. and there have been a bunch of those that I've listened to the audiobook first and then went and bought the Got print the book, book afterwards. because I yeah because yeah. I needed to I just needed to be able to visualize it more and I thought there would be some more visuals. There's a book called you know if I'm going to pick one, it's Scrum. The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time. Nice. Um, I think that's and that's a great one. It's really relevant in the whole idea of how do you uh, deliver products. They use this a lot in the uh, software development world. How do you develop a product? You don't have to have the whole thing mapped out in terms of what's the final thing going to look like, but you're just working in sprints and developing within that uh, one or two or three week period how long your sprint is you're developing something that can be used by the end user that is relevant and that they can give you feedback and help you guide future development so i think i've listened to probably 150 books on audible that's one that i would pick but i would also put in a plug for audible itself
1: No, for sure. And I appreciate the the recommendation, Lee. I'm a big audiobook listener as well. And maybe I should do that. I've been very much uh, buying all my books through iTunes. And maybe that's going to be a better way to check it out. So I appreciate the recommendation. Cool. So we're close to the end here, uh, but to the listeners, I just wanted to say if something that Lee said resonated with you, don't worry about going back or that you missed it. Just go to outcomesrocket.com slash Lee, that's L-E-E. And you'll be able to find all of the show notes, links to the Mayo's social media website, a link to Scrum, the book, as well as any of the other things we discussed. So Lee, I really wanna well thank you for jumping on. But before we conclude, I wanted you to add one closing thought to the listeners and the best place they could get a hold of you if they needed to.
0: Sure. Well, the best uh, place to reach me on Twitter at Lee, i uh, I've developed some similar branding all over uh, any of the other social platforms too. Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's great. would love to connect. A closing thought is just to be adaptable and open to opportunities uh, to look uh, to, actually, I just say, think like MacGyver. If you, those of you who, well, first of all, you know, Richard Dean Anderson, who played MacGyver on TV is from Blaine, Minnesota. So he's He's, ah, showing, there you some have good, it. he's showing some good Minnesota ingenuity. <laughs> but I mean, just the whole idea of experimenting and being looking at the resources that you have around you and how can you apply those to solve the problems that you have. The reality is one of the things we have all around us is social media. <laughs> I mean, these tools are around us and they enable us to I mean it's just so just uh I I just want to take a step back memory lane to say 1982 when I was a college freshman and we had one telephone on our dorm room floor and had to wait in line to make a collect phone call home on Sunday nights amazing and
1: now How times have changed, right? Yeah,
0: it's, it's phenomenal. And so I think in some ways we can appreciate the ubiquity of communications and the fact that, you know, it used to cost like a dollar to a minute to make those phone calls and now it's essentially free. Yep. Uh, so everybody has this technology. There are these opportunities to apply these in our health-related work and that's what we're really all about in the Mayo Clinic social media network. So Twitter at Lee Acy or just go to socialmedia.mayoClink.org. We do have free basic memberships available in the network. And so we encourage people to check it out and see if those resources can be helpful for them.
1: Awesome, Lee, this has been so much fun. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast with us and looking forward to following you on Twitter and Facebook and just keeping up with the amazing things you guys are up to there at Mayo. So thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, Saul. I really enjoyed it.